Welcome to the first uh, Paris Cycling Podcast. Um, my name is Jeff Ballinger, and today's podcast about, is about the cycling renaissance that Paris is experiencing um, for a lot of different reasons, which we're going to talk about. Um, and my guest today is Nick, um, who is a member of the Paris Cycling B Group um, that I started in 2017 on Meetup. And um, I'll let you tell you, uh, let him tell you more about himself, but he's another expat Californian, um, um, which is a very broad way to describe him. So I'm going to let him provide a few more details that he wants to share and, uh, and we'll get going. So what, what can you share with everybody about yourself, Nick? Uh, well, I am from San Francisco and the, uh, I live in Paris. I've been living here for seven years half time more or less. So I work remotely uh, for a company in San Francisco and um, moved here to explore Europe just because it's, it's the density of uh, cultural stuff and just all kinds of stuff stuff. And more importantly, which is quite related to bike as with other forms of transportation, so is that the uh, public transportation said I don't need a car, which is something that I try, I try real hard to avoid having one. And the um, and uh, joining a cycling group is yeah, and that is it's 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 consistent with exactly that that desire of avoiding owning a car. Not that I don't like driving, but I prefer I I much rather that be a separate uh, sort of like a outing than have using it as a main mode of getting getting my body from one to A to B uh, from from A to B. So so that's why I moved to Europe. Uh, it's for that compact and connectedness and um and uh, i lived here seven years in paris and i had only recently brought my bike from california to paris because i had uh, i had not i had not then been uh, really doing much longer rides in uh, europe um just uh, just because i didn't have a bike and also because i wasn't i was still very new to sport and from my day-to-day getting from A to B within Paris, the city, I tend to just use the VELIP, which is the local bike sharing program. Um, uh, very affordable and very, very available. That's another thing too. And so that is my backstory. And also I do programming in San Francisco, most people. <laughs> great, great. Well, thank you. We're I, very like-minded on many of those issues. Um, we have not owned a car since 2007, and we are um, trying to avoid ever having to buy one again. Um, we we use them on occasion, um, but uh, yeah, we pr much prefer to get around uh, through mass transit or or through cycling. Um, I rarely take the metro, um, even though it's it's very convenient here. Um, uh, which kind of leads into what I was going to talk about. Um, about the the change in cycling traffic and patterns and habits here in Paris, um, uh, the governor, the governor, the mayor uh, recently announced um, that the temporary bike lanes that she uh, uh, created or had created anyway um, during the confinement are going to be permanent. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, so why don't we start with that? Actually, I, I I know in chatting with some others on the on the last ride uh, last weekend, um, some people were a little dubious of um, some of the some of the paths. But 
I think most of them um, pretty much welcome um, the more space that cyclists have uh, to ride around the city. I mean, I, I'm assuming you you may share some of that enthusiasm. It sounds like, yeah, very. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the the number one in in no particular order, the number one thing that came to mind. Uh, uh, a week ago, actually, when I was looking at those cycling, was that the um, uh, I had as many friends as there as there as there as I had who did not previously have a bike and who, due to the pandemic, uh, bought a bike. Told me after maybe just two or three weeks of biking to work or seeing friends, uh, etc., that hey it's actually really easy to bike around Paris. Like um, I, that easy is a very loaded word. It mean, I think for them, it means safety. That's number one. I think for most people, even right. for local operations that, that they would imagine getting run over by, by caught by motor vehicle very fairly easily. Number two is, uh, is, you know, just navigating around Paris because if you only have patchworks of bike lanes, then, it, it you know it's quite daunting to go you know you, you might leave your home with a bike lane protecting you and then you, you get all comfort <laughs> you get all the comfort of protected lane and then suddenly if you have to go into shing uh, a lane with a with a motor vehicle it be you know that little change from uh, it could be quite uh, uh, you know uncomfortable for many people so luckily because of Definitely. these widened lanes uh, they they get to you know they they get to um, in many ways, it's the training wheel of yeah. biking Good point. In for the for the mind to bike in city, which is great. And a lot of them express that, hey, you know what? It's actually really fast. That's a third point compared with like the metro. Who, uh, for those who have stayed in Paris for any amount of time, would uh, have heard the uh, people uh, ranting about you know, metro is terrible thing. Even though I'm sure that the um, you know if that was taken out of their lives, they were begging it to come, but you know, it, it, it's it those things that, you know, people just, you know, they got too sick of something. Uh, but so my friends would tell me these three things, you know, basically it's safer than they thought, it's faster than they thought, it's easier to get from point A to point B than they thought. And a lot oh, of them yeah. are really welcoming those much wider, um, you know, these, these new cycling lanes. And I myself have, clearly benefited a lot from it too yes going from place a to place b yeah oh absolutely absolutely it's definitely safer and that's that is a key factor and probably the most important factor for a lot of uh particularly people new, new to cycling uh, who don't have as much experience as, as say you or i or, or some of the other friends we have um yeah i think convenience is obviously a huge factor as well you have to make it um convenient for people to be able to move because i know even a year ago a year ago um if you were going to travel or take a bike over to just say the eiffel tower you would have to map it out you know on one of the apps or or, or google maps or something like that because you'd, you'd realize okay i know there's a bike path here and then there's like oh then there's that busy street and then oh what do i do when i get to the river you know and now we if you you ride around just a little bit, you realize, oh, the river is a great place to ride <laughs> because they now have two-way bike paths on each side, um, and it's 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 so much easier to get around. I think the some other circumstances uh, happening in Paris have kind of set the uh, the groundwork 
um, for what happened during COVID because during the transit strikes last year, we saw a big influx of people getting on bikes. But at least from my perspective and from some of the other people we ride with, it seemed like most people got off the bike once the transit strike were over <laughs> and people could return to the, um, uh, to the you know, safety of the cars, if, if there is such a safety. Um, but the difference this time is that there were differences made, there were changes made on the street um, during the confinement and uh, at, lanes were added and those weren't really added during the strikes. Um, people were encouraged to bike um, and the lead made some things free for a short time. Um, but there wasn't infrastructure changes like there have been now in the last uh, two, three months, um, which I think attests to the, the safety as, as a huge factor because it is so much easier to get around. Um, Rivoli is, is I, I think it's actually too much space for cyclists um, because they've, they've eliminated everything but the bus lane and the taxi lane. Don't, don't say that, Jeff. Don't say that. <laughs> That's almost, almost too much. Get out. <laughs> I appreciate it, but it's um, it is pretty wide. Um, but I, I I'm, I'm I'm glad to see it. it I think it's it's all good, um, and um, um, I know her aim, the mayor's aim, is to try and make it the the Amsterdam of uh, or the next Amsterdam of Europe. I think, which is a little bit of a stretch, but it's good to have lofty goals, um, particularly uh, in on these kinds of issues. If um, it's only going to help get things even safer or down the line. Um, if, if we have more space, cars have less space, um, drivers are going to think, you know, twice about, you know, tra how they travel, um, particularly if they do have choices. Um, some have less choices than most, than many of us, but, um, um, I think it's definitely, I think Renaissance is, is, is probably a fair way to say it just in the changes that we've seen in the last six months though. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's, is that an exaggeration, do you think, using the word renaissance? Well, I don't think it's an uh, exaggeration at all, because the, um, it's, um, it's one of those things that where sometimes I oftentimes just think of us as monkeys still, and then you see a <laughs> monkey climb on a tree to eat a red, bright red fruit and the monkey didn't drop that in the next three seconds, then you go ahead and grab the bright red fruit and start munching on it. And, and everybody else starts doing that. And, um, and I, 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 I would like to actually add one of, one of my theories as to why we're enjoying such renaissance is that the, um, I think this is by actually by accident, is that the, um, because the pandemic lasted so long, a lot of those, uh, as you probably know, that the last couple of years, we've been seeing a lot of these electric, electric scooters. Right. Now, yep. people who did not previously even use a bike, they were on scooters. They were, mm -hmm. you know, the people getting from A to B and the, uh, in Paris and scooters. But those companies kind of went, it kind of went bust or just at least they were just, you know, they were, they were retreating from the city. And so right. when the pandemic uh, eased, eased up, a lot of people, they can't, it's, those who would have used the, uh, the uh, scooter uh, to go to work or something or just go to the restaurants, uh, don't get to use, didn't get to use those. And so they kind of have to get a bike. 
uh, for that, and that encouraged more bike usage. And once they once they're using the bike, they realize it's not so bad. You know, again, right. In many ways, a lot of people would tell me that it's more stable than a scooter, which is true. And the uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that that helped a lot. So, and I think it's one of those things that it's just one more breath in the balloon. It just popped uh, kind of deal where um, that that just tipped the uh, the scale. Um, on bike usage and the, um, and then and that fifty uh, uh, the French government give, ha, have been giving the uh, subsidy for fixing your bike like the euro uh, you know uh, money uh, that can you know that, that for many bike shops for uh, so that you can just bring your bike to them and then they get it fixed and in some cases they even give you some kind of money maybe electric bike or something to buy to buy a bike and um, that right. is very welcome. You know, again, that that helped pushing the bike uh, the usage forward also, and so, um, yeah. So I totally think that the renaissance is is real, and uh, and it is here to stay. Um, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think the um, scooters or or what trottinettes, uh, I guess, is the French term for them. Um, there's um, there was a recent uh, agreement that the city cut with uh, some of the. Um, providers of those um, to limit the number. Um, and it was drastically fewer than they had before. So uh, yeah, th that I think it had to have driven up bike sales as well. It, if you were a conspiracy theorist, you would think that somehow the bike lobby, if there was such a thing here, <laughs> had somehow you know, created this, this, this huge vortex of power and influenced everybody to, to do what <laughs> the bike lobby wanted that would so it's some, do something to sell more bikes. And I, obviously there is no bike lobby here, but there's um, definitely been a resurgence in, in sales. You, you know, you, you have to get appointments at some bike shops to, uh, if you're looking to, to buy an actual bike. Um, and so many of them are out of stock uh, as well. They had stock issues for a long time. I know some of the Decathlon stores that sell probably more bikes than anybody, you know, their, their Madeline store, um, for the biggest one downtown probably is almost out of bikes entirely. Um, so it, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of factors going in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but th there is, I think one downside and we experienced it, unfortunately, um, I guess it's a couple of weeks ago now and we'll, we'll talk about it briefly, but we don't want to make it sound like this is, um, you know, anything but an aberration, but we, we, um, Nick and I and another friend were on a ride, I guess that's a couple of weeks ago now, and uh, we were at what's called the, the Polygon, um, a um, protected lane. Um, it's a this triangular shape at uh, Bois de Vincennes, and it's uh, recently been resurfaced, so it's smooth, and it was it's, it's just a great place to get in some laps, get in some training. I think it's about three kilometers long, something like that, all the way around. And um, uh, we go there uh, Tuesday, Thursday mornings. We have a, a regular group, and it, it's irregular. Actually, it changes quite a bit. Um, but there's usually two or three of us out there. And um, and Nick, we were out there what about 6:30? Um, yeah, 6:30 in the morning. Yeah, somewhere about that. And there was a um, a group of people that were still partying from the night before. Um, and uh, I think it was about five or six of them, something like that. And um, yeah, 
Olaf and I, we went by them first before we met up with you. I think you may have gone by them as well once, right? Before we met up? Yes. Or? Yeah, I gone by them once before the three of us met up, yeah. And when we went by them first before we met you, Olaf had mentioned to them, oh, you, by the way, you guys are actually blocking the bike path. Could you please move? And they didn't take it very kindly, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. I just was aware, oh, like, when we come around again, we might see him again. On the way around, we met up with you at the beginning, and then we came back around. And um, I don't know. Do you want to take it from, <laughs> from there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Very interesting encounter. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take it from here if you like. <laughs> sure. So the three of us started doing the labs, and the, um, I think the first pass, uh, one of the uh, one of the party party goer, one of the partier, uh, he was the uh, he was on one of the the one of the the left edge of the uh, the, the the lap the the track, mm -hmm. and mind you that the track is one way because these were these are you know specifically made for. Uh, cyclists to do laps so so they are of course one direction so he was on one side of the uh the, the, the track to i think he held out his hand to try to grab me or just at least just somehow not not punch motion but more like just trying to grab me something like that i dodged and um so what are you doing and then the uh but of course i was in grunt at the height speed i didn't want to just suddenly break do any kind of unpredictable uh motion with me because that's one of the things that doing cycling uh needs to keep in mind is to never have any you know big unpredictable gesture so i just kept i just thought okay it's a one-off thing right. okay well he had his fun he's likely just you know go you know move, moving on to whatever he's doing next and this 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 guy is from one of from from that party that you were mentioning and then the uh, i think a couple of laps later though um when we're on the one of the longest and potentially probably the fastest stretch of the of the of, of the track, the same guy uh, got on a bike and the um, was riding his bike, a mountain bike, uh, against the direction uh, towards us. And the um, so there's me. I was on your left. You were in the middle of the pack, and our friend is on the right. And uh, so he was you know, relatively far away, but I can see that he's on something. And, and the thing is, he's again on the edge of the track. Right. Now that track has, is, like you said, there's recently been uh, constructed and renovated. So it has this you know, very bright white uh, you know, line like, you know, on, on the road to separate the, uh, the track. So one from thing I did notice was, right, right from pedestrians, Mm -hmm. So as he was coming over, I could quite see that he he followed a line pretty well, you know, and, and the um and um meaning that he's not drunk, like drunk enough that he cannot, you know, ride a bike to go in a straight line, which in Correct. some country could be a test to see how drunk you are. And then the that's um, true, that's true. And so as he was getting closer, I I had the idea that okay, he's just going deliberately against the directions of the the. The, the the track just to scare us just to just to play chicken with us just to you know play this kind of game and I thought you know, my my intention was to not engage 
completely. Just let him do his thing, you know. Well, we, you, you, you got us, you yeah. know. So I know, okay, do your thing, and then yeah, we're gonna. Right. So I moved away uh, towards you. Uh, moved a little bit more to my right, and so so that give him enough space to pass. And but not two or three seconds after that, he so, turned his bike towards us again. I suppose mm-hmm. in that case, more specifically me, and and he also screamed uh, right before uh, he would eventually hit me. But his scream is not out of fear as you would when you see a car driving at you. You scream out right. of horror. It was a scream out of excitement. It mm-hmm. was a scream out of as though your football team just about to, about to score a goal, that kind of scream. So that was mm-hmm. pure amu- amusement. And, um, and he, indeed, he, gra- he eventually crashed into me. But, but at that point, you know, I couldn't turn more right. Otherwise, I would hit you. Turning mm-hmm. left would not be fast enough. And it was one of those sort of we passed that line of, you know, no return. So he didn't hit right. me. We were then on the floor, on the ground. And I believe he at that point was still laughing like he just did the thing that's uh he, he did it or something like that and um yeah and yeah yep, that's exactly what i saw <laughs> right and uh, um and i got up i was i at that point i i wasn't sure how how hurt i was as you know i right. And I wasn't sure how, how damaged my bike was. And then I just looked around, you guys uh, got off the bike and, you know, starting to confront him. And then he's, he's friends, he's friends who are, you know, very clearly smelled of alcohol, you know, came around sure. and the, um, trying to prevent any physical, you know, uh, thing from happening. And uh, as it would look that way, <laughs> that was going and then the, um, and I myself was just trying to find out what is the appropriate thing to do. Uh, somehow I was, it, it, I was shocked, right? And the, uh, to yeah. know that his, that scream and that just that last moment when he turned towards us, not in a way, you don't turn towards danger. You don't, when you flinch, you don't flinch your hand towards the needle, you, you move away from it. <laughs> but he obviously, he wanted that. That was quite shocking and absurd. I think at, at that point, my brain is trying to sort of trying to prioritize what to think first. <laughs> and but the oh, yeah. thing that I noticed was that he's clearly drunk. Mm-hmm. So would his friends be? <laughs> and it's a seven o'clock. It means that they've been drinking for a while. And the, um, I am not one to, you know, even then, most of the time, you know, I, I you know. Physical violence is not something that how it's something that I choose as an option to to look into, and and let alone that there are a lot more of them. Just let just let that be said. Yeah. Also, and then, yeah, and, quite yeah, many I, of them. And I joked about it. They they have alcohol in their system, so that you know they, they actually would suffer less than we do, <laughs> which means they could uh, fight harder and longer. So, which is not a you know that is a simple calculation. So, um, right, in, right, but. Yeah, so all I wanted to, to make sure was that, the, um, that I was okay enough. And, just, and also, um, in my sh- you know, shocked and sort of traumatized mind at the point, I, somehow I kind of re- took the, uh, like a car accident playbook into that. Oh, let me get their phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, his phone number. 
and um, right. just in case I needed something. And uh, now I didn't think quite, I, I did think of calling the police, but that, that, that thought, you know, did not stick with me. Like I kind of just crossed that out relatively quickly. Uh, right. It wasn't until later on that I, uh, that I sort of asked myself why and things, things like that. But in any case, I was trying to get his their phone numbers and uh, his phone number. And then the, uh, his uh, supposed girlfriend came over who was uh, clearly drunk also. Oh, yeah. uh, one one fun fact was that the uh, they were trying to minimize the, this whole incident as like oh, oh. don't worry it's a nothing every one of them was yep. trying to no oh, it's nothing it's, and then right. the, uh, you're and fine then the, yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, they tried to let it go and then when the girlfriend even told us that it's my birthday <laughs> and then the, uh, as though that would be a reason for why some guy would you know deliberately you know run their bike into you uh, at a relative speed adding the both speed together you know around fifty kilometers per hour is a totally, totally acceptable thing because it's right. your birthday. And, exactly. you know, that goes on to show you that just what kind of inebriated state they might be in. And uh, right. so she gave me his phone number, uh, which of course I got to dial it. And then it, it, it got no, it went to no one. I asked what, what his phone was. He says at home, what are the apps these days? A young, you know, 20 something would leave his phone at home, you know, and then the yeah. own. I think I tried a few times, and then one of the one of one of the friends actually eventually pulled out his phone and saw scrolling his phone book and gave me his real phone number apparently. And then the uh, but there was no way for me to really compel him right to um to really sh you know because I you call his phone and then he knew show me his phone. There's really no way for me to verify anything, and right. so I just kind of left it at that. I took that phone number and then the um and. Uh, you know, try not to engage them, you know, try not to try, try to pointing finger, you're wrong, you're right, that kind of things. Because I thought, you know, what are they going to say? They're going to admit that they're wrong, that they would never do this again. Let me get a right. ruler and whack their hands. You no, know, they don't look like they can even understand a word. And um, right. So no, it's a very good know, point. Right. So, you know, it, it will be dissipating my energy and our energies, you know, to to just even to have any kind of meaningful <laughs> exchange with them at that point and so uh yeah anything you want to add to that up to yeah that point? i i i agree uh with everything you've said the um the, the the main objective immediately afterwards was yeah making sure that you were okay which you mostly were generally speaking um i mean you weren't bleeding profusely from anywhere um so that that was that was good um but right i i i came to the same assessment pretty early on that we needed to engage as little as possible with these people and get out of there um you know as as soon as we could um uh, not without getting the information obviously but um there, there was nothing fruitful going to come from engaging them uh, because of their level of inebriation or whatever else they might have been taking um, or, or been on or under the influence of, um, it was clear that nothing was going to, you know, nothing good was going to come of hanging around any longer than we absolutely had to be there. Um, right. Because, yeah, it's hard to predict how people will behave in those circumstances. And um, they, they could have been violent. They were kind of a, a chummy group in, in a sense, um, other than the... Um, legally should be considered an assault upon you 
with the guy with the bike guy's bike. Um, um, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't think about the police at all. Um, it didn't occur to me till afterwards. Um, so I think to have the presence of mind to, to think of, oh, asking for a phone number and um, that you even occur, it occurred to you to think of the police that that, that impressed me. I mean, because you were in you were in shock from the physical, you know, contact. Um, I was just shocked at the at the behavior. <laughs> so I can't really say I was in shock, but um, um, but you did wind up calling the police after or going to the police right uh, after after the incident, but not not for a, you kind of collected yourself, made sure you were physically OK. Right. Was it a couple of days later or that you saw the. Yeah. Police? Yeah. Yeah. So I. Um, I think the very first thing that I actually did, I got home, it was to actually call my insurance. Uh, oh, because right. in the uh, because I remember buying insurance that included both my my personal and my my possession, and um, and and I, I think calling the insurance in France you have to buy the house insurance for the house that you're living in, renting or owning by right, the apartment, mm -hmm. and usually they have another little attachment like extension of the like like a like an add on of insurance that actually you can get to protect the things that you own inside or outside the house. And um, the reason why I call them is because they have seen a lot of accidents like this. It's there like a nice little middle ground between doing nothing and going to the police immediately because they would know they've seen this, you know, be, you know thousands of times, right? Like uh, be it, you know, incidental or actually assault or something like that. So it's nice to talk to them first. And indeed actually that calmed me quite a bit significantly to hear mm -hmm. a voice who who knows what accidents are who knows what bodily harm is and then the uh, so and then and also uh, to to ask about oh should i go to the police or not so they told me that the uh, the insurance will reimburse you uh, uh, for any kind of medical perhaps even your your, your bike uh, but going to the police is completely your choice uh, they don't require that for uh, for them to reimburse me so having heard that yeah so so I did all the paperwork with them uh, a few days later, but then yeah, I, I immediately called my insurance, which most of the time is almost 24 seven, some of the lines yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was not uh, for a few days, uh, a few days later that I sort of had the, um, kind of collected myself enough uh, to go to the doctor to get a uh, medical certificate, certification that I was harmed and things like that. Then I, the same hour, I went to the police um, to report it which I think was a proper thing to do. Sure. And, um, and I did go and uh, they took my statement as, as I described just now. And uh, one, one thing that, that made a particular impression on me was actually the police who took my statement had to call his superior because he had no idea how to classify this incident. What is this? Is it an assault? Is it <laughs> so? That actually, mm -hmm. that itself implicitly signified that bi bicycle accidents are not well handled, are not well broadcasted, or just on people's mind. They just thought, you know, mm -hmm. that it's just it, it's it's rare. It's not it's not that bad. You know, it's not, maybe I, I I don't know. Like that's just my guess, and which is not an, an unfair position that the uh, we we tend to think that. And because you, you don't really see that much bicycle news accident, you see a lot of plane crashes and car crashes, but not quite, or train derailing. 
So, and that is actually one of the reasons why I, 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 I insist on going to the police also. Whether or not they will catch them and whether or not they will be, you know, you know, doled out, they will be brought to justice, that kind of thing, or me getting my insurance is one thing, but uh, it is because bike accident incidents like this are incredibly rare. And I do want to add just that one, you know, that, that one drop of, of uh, in the, into the buckets uh, to hopefully eventually that it will be a full-blown sort of awareness as much awareness as a car accident or incident so sure uh, so I did follow the police report and um, what they told me was that if they can locate a person uh, and then they would be then the file will be will be put forward to a judge and then the uh, then we'll have a hearing uh, and then the, we'll see then what kind the judge would decide what kind of we'll hear the other the, the other party's testimony and then there would then we'll see what kind of um, well what kind of judgment will be given it's all about the judge but that would be quite a long way down the road if you can find right. him and accept, accept it, if the phone number is good uh, when I got out the police when I was about to leave the police station I asked him one the police one more thing I said like, okay so um, if this were to happen again what should I do. Which is again, it's I don't I don't imagine a lot of people would know what to do. I mean, um, I mean, in a car accident, I think both parties would change insurance in, information and things like that and get it all sorted out. But here, mm -hmm. it's just not standard. And so he he said that um, uh, two things. Uh, number one, um, in the cities, there are plenty of surveillance cameras. They take uh, a pretty high resolution, apparently, that they can actually identify their faces more easily. In Bois wow. de where we were doing laps, uh, there are zero cameras. <laughs> like, uh, so that's one thing. Uh, that is to sort of to let us know that the, um, uh, should, in, should the case arise that they, they, they do a hit and run, um, if you're in a city, uh, you could tell them where it was so that they might be able to actually get their you know, face, uh, get their mugshot. Uh, that's one thing. Number two, yes. Uh, as I thought, there was no way for me to compel them to, for them to give me their ID and things like that. But if you call the police or the firemen, they can. And the, uh, so, um, so, so this is the kind of information I want to broadcast down to to everyone, you know, who might you know be involved in the, in, a, in a cycling accidents of any kind, that the calling the police. I mean, it, it's it's quite clear, right? I mean, that's if police do do have the power to to ask for ID and things, uh, but just at that mm -hmm. point. I was just, my mind was not quite functioning. I mean, you know, in, in that direction. And also I wasn't sure if that was severe enough and things like that. And, and so I didn't, sure. it, it, it crossed my mind, right? But I, I crossed that out as an option relatively quickly. And, um, but now that I know, well, the next time, whatever, you know, might happen, you know, if, if that kind of severity happens, then I think I would definitely call it the, police or the uh, the firemen so they would be able to do those things right so that's no, the that's, end of that's that. good advice and that's a very good question to have asked uh, that makes a lot of sense and yeah um it certainly didn't occur to me either like i said to call police but knowing that now yeah next time i will and hopefully nothing like that ever happens again to any of us um but on the group rides we take there is potentially that chance that somebody might do something intentional to to harm a cyclist. I mean, we've seen erratic behavior by drivers that seem 
like, okay, he intentionally got a little too close, you know, um, uh, something like that could be borderline. But yeah, if anything, anybody goes down because of uh, a driver or or a pedestrian's intentional actions, again, um, definitely, I'll call police no matter where we're at. Um, but yeah, the other advice is if you're going to have that accident, have it, have it happen in the city. <laughs> have it happen <laughs> in a populated area. <laughs> I know. That's a little harder to control, obviously. Um, but yeah, it does kind of point to that this is kind of a freak accident. Um, and uh, although the insurance company was familiar with this kind of thing before, it sounds like, although they were probably more familiar with just bike accidents in general when they're in, 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 as opposed to assaults with a bike, right? I mean, they didn't say, oh, we've seen people ram other people with bikes frequently. They didn't say anything like that at the insurance company, right? No, it's quite rare. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't quite ask if that happened before, but then the, uh, <laughs> exactly. they, I, I, I don't imagine that they, uh, they would. See, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know anyone who would have imagined that such a thing actually happens. Someone use a bike to ram another person in the, at seven o'clock yeah. in, in a park. Um, yeah. And so they just, again, this is why classifying this is so hard. Like, and the, I mean, they do need to classify it somewhat in order for them to have some kind of procedures listed to be done and so so in the end i haven't said that right the police classified it as a uh, a, a vehicle accident yeah so like a like a uh, oh. i i tend to have a uh negative feeling towards the term accident which for me means that people have no control of the situation and right. then something unpleasant happened but this is not, you know, he had control of his bike. This is why I was pointing at the fact that the, um, he was riding along the white line quite straight. So right. he did have mastery of his bike. And so I, that's why I'm hesitant to call it an accident because it, it wasn't. It was induced. Uh, we don't really quite call things that are induced an accident in my, in my, own, in my own mind. Right, right. There was, it was that, that's exactly right. It was a purpose. It wasn't an accident. It was something that was right. intentional. And um, yeah, that that does kind of also add to the concept that this is a freak accident that police didn't even know really how to classify it. And it sounds like they misclassified it. Um, but maybe that's the closest thing that they can put it on um, until they do a little more investigation if, if it ever comes to that. And it Probably won't, but you never know. You never know. Um, um, and, and unfortunately, the video that I had on my GoPro was, it didn't really catch the moment of impact and his turn and uh, because we were, we were fairly even with each other. Um, and you were actually, I think, a little behind right. where the camera was. So unfortunately, it didn't collect the actual collision, it showed him coming, just like you said, right up that line, but then he goes out of view a, a half a second before the actual collision. And um, so it's probably not even admissible in court in the sense of it's showing anything concrete other than he was definitely heading in our direction at us against the flow of, of uh, the clockwise uh, laps or counterclockwise um, uh, laps around. Um, no, that was clockwise. What am I saying? For us, it's clockwise, I think. Yeah. Right. He was going counter as, right. you know, in more ways than one. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I mean, I've, I've not let it 
color my perceptions of cycling here in Paris. And uh, you, you've been out quite a few times since then, so you, you right. haven't in any material way either, I take it. Let uh, it color your perspective anyway. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm getting a little, little uh, how should I say, it, more careful though. Like if I see someone who might not be in complete control of their actions, be under any kind of influence, and I would try to stay away because they could, uh, they could be quite close to the road these days. Like, um, because again, if this were alcohol-induced accident uh, incidents, so you know as we have a lot more of these outdoor drinking places these days and they tend to spill okay. into uh quite a bit uh, of the uh the bike link sometimes not all the time but people again that because that bike link is so free of cars sometimes people might actually walk in it like if you know, we talk yeah. about like quite you know late at night uh, but most of the time i i'm not concerned most of the most of the places that we go out for longer bike rides they they are perfectly perfectly safe and um you know and yeah, we and on those rides we don't use a lot of bike lanes anyway because there usually aren't any past the outside the heart of the city because um, uh, they're not really necessary. But um, but you're right. Uh, there are uh, plus especially with the restaurants uh, coming out into the street. In some cases, um, they do sometimes impinge on the um, on the bike lanes. So it is definitely something to be careful of. In addition to just having a lot more. Uh, cyclists out there, um, and some of whom are new to cycling, and uh, maybe not haven't developed good riding habits or or, or safety habits or or the you know willingness to stop at a red light, um, that sort of thing. Um, I, I've noticed it's it's even more important to follow the rules of the road um, with these bike lanes, particularly the two-way bike lanes, because all it takes is one person jaywalking or one person riding through the red light and it's like major collision or or major injury resulting from something like that for you know waiting an extra two seconds and you could have avoided it so it's um definitely something i've noticed as well it's a little um uh, we do need to have a little caution um particularly as experienced riders because we're used to riding with more people who are experienced and uh, people who don't, um, who haven't been riding as long, we can't predict their behavior in the same way we can a friend who we've ridden hundreds of kilometers with. Um, so you, it's better to be safe and cautious anyway. So, but it is a good lesson to, you know, not that we could have done anything different on this particular freak accident, uh, incident. Um, I won't call it, you're right. I can't call it an accident <laughs> because he wanted, he clearly wanted to hit one of us. Um, and which, unfortunately for you, you were the closest one to him. Um, if he had wobbled just a little bit, it might have been me, you know. Who knows? But you're right. He was able to maintain a straight line. So he wasn't too far gone, um, unfortunately. Uh, too, otherwise, he, we might have missed him and we'd be talking about something else. Um, <laughs> let's see. We've, um, we've taken up almost an hour. Um, what are we missing that we haven't talked about? I think we've talked about everything, unless there's something to add. Well, I, I would I'll add one thing that I find a, a little bit uh, more constructive in terms of road safety for cyclists, uh, which is something that's, um, that's absent in cycling in Paris, uh, is in the US, I don't, uh, at least the people that I cycle with, they would just shout out, which of the, our 
which, which uh, left or right side, we're going to pass the, the, the cyclists in front of us. Again, right. uh, because uh, so that so they will remain on their on their line, and then so we will pass them. We'll shout out on to, on your left or on your right as we pass someone. Uh, right. Here we don't have quite half that, and uh, uh, here people they tend to just ring the bell. Uh, yep. There's there is some disadvantage to that because we ring the bell, the person in front of you tend to sometimes they tend to turn their heads. And for yep. an experienced rider, they turn the body with it, <laughs> which to, yep. you just actually, it does the identical, the, the thing that you try to avoid by ringing the bell to begin exactly. with. Exactly. And yep. uh, some they don't even look, I mean, some they don't, how should you say, like, um, they don't even ring the bell, they just kind of pass, like, a, right. uh, uh, like in the race. <laughs> and then, the, uh, which is relatively dangerous in my, in, you know, in, in my mind. And so, so these days, uh, whether or not it's a culture, I, I'm beginning to actually shout out in a French equivalent of to your left, to your right, just so that you, uh, maybe who knows, some, some people will catch on and then the, it would be propagated uh, and, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the cycling community, community cycling you know, community here. So that's the, that's the one thing, um, yeah, that I, I tend to do. That's a very good observation. Uh, we don't have that same etiquette here. Um, and I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody behind me say it as they came up, came up to pass. Um, I've said a la gauche a, a few times. Mm -hmm. so I'm not even sure if that's yeah. the right way to say it. Um, if I was going to pass on the left, but yeah, it, it tends to get a, you know, uh, they're in my way all of a sudden. Um, and I know in the United States, uh, when I was riding in New York a lot on a, a couple of different bike paths uh, out in the countryside, um, my friend and I, I ride with, we we realized we had to ring our bells and say something, but you ring the bell like 100 meters away, you know, to where they almost couldn't even hear it. You're so far away. And keep ringing it until they acknowledge it. Maybe they turn their head or something. And then you tell them on your left, even if they're walking on the right, because people meander. And um, it wasn't so much a problem with other cyclists. It was really with pedestrians who were just, they weren't ready for a cyclist going by them at 20 miles an hour. Um, but what happened if you waited too long and you got too close to them, if you ever said anything, they would often jump into your path um, or, or turn their head and then bring themselves into the path on foot. And it's, you're right. It's uh, here. Nobody says anything um, for the mm -hmm. most part. And there does seem to be, maybe there's an education op educational opportunity, but I think you're right. Saying something now um, may create a groundswell of, um, you know, from the ground up, uh, kind of a, a etiquette that um, arises out of a necessity because you're right, there, there does need to be something that people say. Because mm -hmm. um, some of the people, that, that they ride really fast on the bike lanes. Yeah. I tend yeah. to slow down on the bike lanes just because it doesn't Let feel safe. I, um, I hope that perhaps that we could uh, write a petition to the, to the mayor's office because I think in, in the French society, they do do quite well following. I mean, they do trust your government somewhat. Um, and then, which means that they, when they put out some kind of standards that, you know, a fair number of people actually will follow that. And maybe that's the, the minimum momentum that we need. Like if they print up a pamphlet that says something like, um, oh, when I pass left, I say, you know, on your left, I, yeah, that kind of things. Just like some simple three point three or four points posted right. everywhere by the by city, 
people might actually start doing that. And then the, uh, that would be, that would, that would save a lot of people, a lot of pain and repair and trauma and, uh, et cetera. And, you know, that would reduce the, uh, the horror story, uh, that would be recounted sure. to other people that might scare people off from cycling, which is undoing the effort that, um, you know, that the, uh, that the city and us were trying to do. It's a very good point. Um, I yeah. think we have a graphic artist among our members on the bike uh, on the bike group. Um, perhaps I will suggest uh, something, and maybe we can um, come up with a few things. Particularly riding on the right um, of the lane mm. when you're just in general, and, and move over to pass on your left. But um, some people just ride right in the middle, and um, that creates problems too. But if uh, just be, you're right, two or three suggestions um, uh, for etiquette, uh, for writing etiquette, I think you could go a long way. Um, that's an excellent point. Let's, we'll have another show about that next time. Definitely. Cool. And uh, one, right. one last safety tip. I just noticed yeah. uh, a few days ago that the, uh, in Paris, uh, they, there's a lot of sort of illegal parking. Like people just yep. pull their car over to just get out uh, a lot more than I observe in California, uh, a lot more. Like they just stop in these places that that doesn't even look like a parking. So those drivers, they probably know that they are parking in a place where they shouldn't be. So they are actually under a fair amount of pressure to get things done quick. In that, they might actually pay a much less attention to when they open the door. So be careful. I would say that for cars that park illegally, they might just be in such a hurry or maybe even embarrassed when they're parking them, you know, they, they park in a non, yeah. non-parking place that they might actually check, they, you know, they might not be so much effort checking they're not there. So, um, so I would say that if you see such a thing, go as much as possible away, like from the door, give them enough clearance that, you know, just so oh, that, yeah. you, know nothing, you don't get, you don't get doored like this. Yeah. You should pass That's at least my... three feet to, to the left of a, of a car or a parked car. Um, that's a very good point as well. I mean, obviously drivers, uh, could probably be more educated as well. Um, but we got to start, um, I think we need to start with cyclists probably. Um, yeah, the, that's probably, you yeah. need to be defensive drivers, defensive cyclists. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But cycling is fun in the city. Like my friends said, like my non-cyclist friends who telling tell me it's fast, it's quite safe and, uh, and it's quite easy to get to in most places. And uh, you get the exercise, and yeah. Oh, know. absolutely. Yeah, I used to uh, at a rush hour. I used to not ride at all, but now I don't even really think about it. I don't ride for long distance, but I will ride for transportation. You know, to get across town or something like that. It's at rush hour. It's not as not a whole lot different when you have a bike lane to ride in. So than any other time of the day. So it is definitely much safer uh, in Paris, and I think it's only gonna only going to get better. So cool. I agree. All right. Well, Nick, thanks for spending the time with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, if, if not see each other this weekend, I'm sure on the, on a bike ride somewhere. Definitely. Okay. Well, thanks again for the time and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. Okay. Stop.